Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shah McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as staff pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. This is Shaw McCain, your host, speaking to you live from Southern California. And it's a beautiful evening tonight, a little tiny bit balmy. It's been really cold down here, but, you know, not as cold as everywhere else. But it's uh, it's kind of balmy tonight. It's kind of odd because, you know, we are in January. But I'd like to wish everybody a big happy new year out there. I know this year has started out crazy, okay? It's cray-cray. But just hold on. No, well, we've had crazy all year, so we can go through another year like this. Just hold on to your bootstraps. However... Have I got a guest speaker for you? She's going to help us through all this because she is the expert, and I'm talking about Meredith Herrenbrook. She is an amazing lady, and if you want to take off like a rocket but you just don't have the fuel, do you feel the dreams of your youth are now replaced with a frenzy of everyday living or just hiding out? Do you get a sense that you just can't catch a break lately? Now, this is really an incredible way to start out our new year is with Meredith. And in her book, In Becoming Ridiculously Awesome, she's talking about how to make this amazing journey. And she has a workbook for it, and she has a website for it. So without further ado, I want to welcome Meredith to the show. Welcome, Meredith. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Well, thank you, and hello, everybody. It's great to be here. It is. We're alive. Look at us. We're we're alive. (laughs) (laughs) We are alive by the skin of our teeth. Oh, my goodness. Yay. (laughs) Did we enter 2021 like the screech, like just barely barely getting to first base, you know, and Uh you get hit with all kinds of weird sideballs, and who the heck knew this was going to happen? A little bit of a surprise, but... um... You know, I'm kind of uh, thinking that there are just no surprises anymore. So just don't be surprised to be surprised. It has been tumultuous in 2021 or 2020 and now 2021. And, you know, the more we have these surprises, the more we just have to dig deep and, um, you know, find our feet and know what we know and, and just really find ourselves. That's the truth. And um, where did you study at, Meredith? So, well, I actually went to college for architecture. And Mm -hmm. uh, after that, I ended up going to um, kind of an offshoot of the Berkeley Psychic Institute up here in Northern California. And I took a year-long class with them. And uh, and then I ended up doing uh, NLP Marin for my NLP and family soul constellation work. And then I also studied with a kahuna in Hawaii over the course of a year or two. Yes, I I read that. And uh, 
my son did his DNA and he found out he's got people from Hawaii. So he flew out there and met his relatives. And I'm telling you, what a gorgeous, loving, and spiritual bunch, really. They really are. They are just amazing and they are so gentle. Uh, but they have this great depth to them too, which is such a beautiful, the way they walk that dance is, you know, or the way they dance that dance is really beautiful. Oh, it is. It just gives me the chills. And I do love the way they're uh, grounded like the, our Native American uh, religion, or if they don't call it religion, you know, the earth, you know, love and uh, all that symbology reminds me a lot of Hawaii. Is very similar. I find the energy is very similar. I totally agree. Okay, cool. So how did yeah. you discover NLP and, and HUNA? <laughs> well, I didn't just look it up in the newspaper. Um, but I, I'll tell you that uh, when I was growing up, I had a lot of premonitions and dreams that would end up happening like six months before. And I was just always really sensitive to rooms and feelings and, and all sorts of things. So uh, I'm a total empath. And as I was getting older, um, I was really trying to find why this was happening, how it was happening, because my reality actually got kind of messed with in a way because I would sometimes be able to have conversations with people and know in advance what they were going to say, like verbatim. So yes. it got me on this journey of really self-discovery and how the whole universe worked and, and all of that. And uh, so that started in high school, and it just continued on until, you know, you're growing up. And, you know, I was working on some kind of relieving myself of childhood trauma. And so I was working with a therapist for a year, and it was it was good. You know, there was some solid work being done. But I ended up just spinning my wheels, and I noticed that I was just talking for talking's sake, and I wasn't gaining any more traction. I just go, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just felt like I was hitting a wall. And uh, anyway, so I was chatting with a friend of mine, and he was asking these amazing questions that just hit to the heart, hit to the root. And I just looked at him. I go, What are you doing? He says, oh, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just asking questions. I go, no, 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 no. And I was, I was dead serious. Like the energy and the focus was so different. And I said, I have gotten farther in 15 minutes with you than I have a whole year with my therapist. So what are you doing? And so he introduced me to NLP, and I literally signed up for classes the next, you know, within the next three days. And it was, it's just amazing work because it gets to the root of the problem and you end up not just finding where the source of your problems are, which is 99.9% .9 internal um, or thereabouts, but you end up kind of changing your neurology and you change your belief systems and it just uncovers and unfolds in a really gentle, beautiful, um, expansive way. And and then you don't have to, like, fight yourself anymore because you've relieved yourself of all that old patterning, all that old stuck stuff. Well, what what does L L NLP mean? Could you tell us about NLP? 
Absolutely. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, and it was developed by two gentlemen in the in Santa Cruz, and they ended up. One I think was a psychiatrist, and one was a psychology student. And uh, so it was a uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And so they they teamed together, and they kind of accidentally created this. Um, this term NLP, um, but it basically means, you know, neuro for the neurology. Um, what is happening in your brain that's connecting to your body? What's connecting to how you think and feel and do? And so what they really focused on was how are you creating your experience? And I think they were on to something that we are not just thrown about in the wind in chaos and we're just kind of trying to figure it out, that somehow we're part of it and that if we can gain more control and awareness within ourselves and loosen the triggers and let them go, including phobias and addictions and so forth and so on, um, then the more you can do that, you end up kind of upping your level, if you will, in your awareness and then when you do that, your, while your patterns are shifting, then you end up seeing the world differently. And then you experience the world differently. And then the universe gives you different opportunities, or you're seeing them now as opportunities, whereas maybe before you would have been too afraid to, not feeling deserving enough, and so forth. So it's the, the kind of the mind-body connection that they really dived into. Um, and it's just fantastic work. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, also I didn't under, I don't un, I've never heard the t- the term family soul constellations. Could you explain that to us too? Yes, yeah, so that um is also taught at NLP Marin and it's what I love about it is it's another layer of our experience that 99.9% of us don't consciously know that really exists. But Family Soul Constellations is its described kind of as when you have stuck energy from long ago and far away, say grandparents or great-grandparents, who had big traumas. Maybe they emigrated. Maybe they mm-hmm. experienced a war. Um Maybe they lost the family fortune. Maybe there was a huge fire. I mean, any, anything and everything that when it is so big, the body can be overwhelmed. The soul can be overwhelmed. And, and you end up either – it's like how do, you, how do you deal with that energy, right? Some people shove that energy. They, you know, they sweep it under the rug, so to speak, or, you know, or they ignore it or they become overwhelmed and traumatized, you know, they get uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. But, then, yeah. but what happens is the younger generations, they go, there's this, and it's not conscious. But in order, and, and here's the phrase, in effort to say I love you, the younger generations will grab onto that stuck energy that has not been acknowledged, released, dealt with. Um, they will replicate it in their own lives. For example, if maybe there's, and this is so common, I see this so common with clients is, you know, um, grandparents, there was the Great Depression, 
Um, maybe there was a lot of alcoholism. And so you'll tend to see the younger generations, oh, they're alcoholics as well. And, oh, they have, you know, wow, they certainly seem to be acting a lot like, you know, a, an uncle or a grandparent and so forth. And and often when we're in this generation, we go, I have no idea why you are acting this way or feeling this way. And they won't know either. But I have looked into so many constellations and done so many that it is all an effort to point to what is stuck and say this needs to be fixed. And we try and fix it by grabbing onto that energy um, in ourselves, but it doesn't end up actually fixing anything. It just makes a whole mess of our own lives. Well, well, you know what? This is so true because the if we're talking about um, just a couple of generations, I'm talking only one or two generations before me, I just didn't understand certain things about my mother. I couldn't get it. I don't know why, but I didn't understand. Like you could just watch her. She's first generation here from Greece, and her mother was traumatized by being brought over here. And uh, she never did learn English. She was always, uh, she felt ashamed and embarrassed. And I had something profound that happened. My mother just passed uh, two months ago. And what happened, I'm going to tell you something, though. There's something profound. Is um, I saw a bright light. I mean, you know when you see that white, white, white light sometimes it kind of stuns you? And it came yes. through the, the yes, it came through this happened, you know, two months ago, eleven seven. Okay, so it happened eleven seven, I'll say that. Okay, so I saw that light, so I opened up the curtain and I went, Wow, like just wow, look at that light. You know, it's like you wanna grab your camera and you you hardly ever do because, uh, you know, it's so bright and you're in the moment. Okay, so I closed the, the window, it was so bright. And then I started hearing these little ticks on the front door and on the side window. And I went, what the heck is that? Like gravel. And then I looked out the window again, and the bright white light was still there. And now there's hail. I'm in Southern California, Meredith. (laughs) Hail was hitting my back uh, uh, deck. And I had to open the window and stare at it because it was just shocking to me. And this uh, was 11-7. So then, right after that, the phone rang. So I looked away and saw that my sister from Texas was calling me. And I knew my mother just died. I knew it. I I made myself pick up the phone, but I didn't want to do it. So I picked it up, and I said, hi, Candy. And she mm-hmm. said, yeah, mom mom just died. As a matter of fact, she's in the bed right behind me. I mean, that kid, this kid freaked me out. She's sister number four. So my mother is passed away in the bed behind her, but she couldn't call me earlier or call me yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't. Uh, anyway, I said, i got to hang up. I'm having feelings, okay? So I hung yeah. up. But the feeling, I, I looked again, so the the... You know, the hail fell out there, and it was frozen tears. 
I went frozen tears. Okay, wow. I get that message, Mom. So I looked up frozen tears, and there's this article from the psychologist in Paris. That's the only title I can attach with it. And she talks about frozen tears, how it's from shame. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, that it? was not lost on you. Oh, Powerful. My, my mother knew I would look for their answer. Wow. My mother gave me a gift as she left, you know, in the white light. She gave me a gift that said, I, I'll, show, I'll show you why. It's from shame. That's why I act like I did. I went, oh, my. It helps so much, Meredith, really. It does. Can you can it you believe does. that? Oh, boy. Yes, I can. I, I really can. And uh, I'm going to share a story with you where um, okay. I was actually in high school and um, down in Southern California, and normally I would go to chorus uh, practice every Tuesday, Thursday. It's my favorite thing to do out of all of high school. And a friend of mine, who incidentally was Navajo, she says, I'm going to go down. You know, I do community service downtown uh, at this um, uh, elderly home, and I'd like you to come with me. And she'd never asked me before. And I go, and it was an incident, of course. And so I go down there, and I'm feeding this older woman. And I just, there was this sense that I got. And I was feeding her, and there was just, I mean, she was barely talking. She was really barely coherent. But I just somehow knew I wasn't there specifically for her. Like there was no necessary connection directly with her. So then I go, why am I here? And so I'm feeding her and I'm talking with her and such. And at the end, it was, I don't know, around 6.30 or so, or maybe 5.45. Um, it was really specific time. And I looked at her and I knew, and it was time for us to go. And I looked at her and I knew that I was saying goodbye to my grandfather and I could practically see him standing behind her. And there was like this glow behind, but it's like you couldn't quite see it. But mm-hmm. you knew there was something there. And it's kind of like that aura that some people can see. But I didn't know what it was. I'd never seen it before. And I looked at her, and I just almost like got tears in my eyes. And I said, it was so nice to meet you. I hope to see you again sometime soon. And I knew I was saying that to my grandfather. So two days later, my father called me and he says, your grandfather passed away. And I said, was it Tuesday evening? And he says, how did you know? And I told him the story. And we both, of course, started crying and so forth. It is amazing the gifts that, you know, our family Mm -hmm. leaves us on the way out to wherever they go. Mm -hmm. Just, that just it was gave striking. me the chills. Oh, it's striking mm-hmm. um, that you had that awareness, too. It's almost the, the gift they're leaving is a little bit of healing, you know. It is it's, healing. Uh, it is. It's, uh, it's almost beyond comprehension. Like, how could only the divine could set this stuff up is what I'm saying. <laughs> they're pretty Cause, good, cause huh? we, Yeah, they're pretty good because we don't know what we're doing. You know, if we think we know what we're doing, we really don't know what we're doing. You know, we would bang our head, get into the car. We just are out of it. You know what I mean? But if we didn't get these kind of messages, I mean, we'd be left in a lurch. Like, I could have spent 
you know, a whole time trying to figure out what my mom's deal was. And I, un- she sent me what it was mm-hmm. so that I would understand it, you know, and I understood immediately. And now it's all about forgiveness. And I'll, yes. I'll tell you about the dreams I've had of her, you know, since then. And then I had a whole life review. Three days after, then I realized, am I going to die? Like, what's going on here? It's just a really, uh, I woke up with such joy because I was being shown rewards that I'm going to get, I guess, after I leave here. And hmm. they were all, I was really there, and they were true. Every word I got, I remember what they were talking about. You know what I mean? So at first I was kind of shocked, like, what are, you, what are we doing here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> then when they started showing me stuff, I said, oh, I remember that. So I woke up laughing and in such a joy. But, you know, um, uh, oh, he coined the phrase life after Dr. Raymond Moody, that beautiful person. Right. Yes. Uh, he coined the share uh, life after death experience, and I think that's what was happening to me. I wow! Think. I know that'll twist your I needle think. a little bit. <laughs> I know. I really because I I don't know how this stuff works or what the rules are, you know. Or, and it's it's much more extravagant than I can get my mind around. You know, I learned this little piece, and I realized, oh yeah, it's bigger than that. It's huge from what I, I mean, I know such a small portion from, you know, some of my colleagues that we chat about all this stuff all the time. And um, there's so many dimensions and so many places to go. I mean, if you just think about this planet is on, you know, in three dimensions, and then you have fourth dimension of time and so forth and so on up to the 12th dimension, you just look at all that's in all the space, all the layers just on this planet, and it is, that's profound. And then you think about all the beings across the universe that you can see or not see, or if they exist or not. I'm not quite sure, but I am leading myself to believe that there is a whole lot more going on than we give it credit for. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. Well, it's so much, it's intense. I mean, really, uh they just found out, you know, the the our our brain has receptors for eleven dimensions at least. So that means we've been there. There's you know, there's stuff going on, but at least we're finding that down to the DNA level we have receptors for all this. It's just all true. We're not making it up. You know, we're not making this up. This is this is boggling to the mind really. I know. And and the thing that I look at, too, is when you look at the shamans and those who have meditated in India thousands of years ago, um, mm-hmm. be, they're, they're, they were able to access and are able to access all this information that now science, as you're saying, is just on the cusp of and finally proving that this stuff actually does exist. And um, I remember... I remember hearing that there were there was a guru or many gurus who actually could calculate how many blood vessels were in the human body by just counting them during their meditation. And they knew wow. that number, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of years ago. And, they, and everyone says, oh, yeah, whatever. But they were able to calculate through their breathing and so forth and so on and what i love about 
what you are doing and what I am doing and what this world is hopefully becoming mm-hmm. more of is we can get so overwhelmed with the greatness of it. But when mm-hmm. you focus on one thought at a time and focus on your world and mastering your world with one step, with one thought, with one breath, you know, releasing that past and getting into like that synchronous zone that I'm sure you've experienced more than once mm-hmm. where you go, gosh, this is, this is a damn good day. And, you know, you just go, oh, there's that parking spot. I know just right around the corner there's going to be a parking spot for me. Hey, there it is. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, and the day just proceeds swimmingly. And you just go, how is that possible? It's because we're becoming more aware. We're becoming more in tune with the, the sine waves and the vibrations that are already happening. But we're allowing ourselves to trust a little bit more into the process and not fight everything all the time. We're fighting everything all the time. Oh, yeah. And that's the problem. <laughs> that's the truth. Um, yeah. Yes, I was thinking how, okay, because, um, you know, I, I am, I've always listened to doctors and did whatever the doctor said, and I'm going off to this blood test, to that blood test, and go on this and finding out, being your blood, your blood is freaky. Now, we haven't come across this before, but I started realizing recently, just stop that. Don't listen to them anymore. You know, I know I'm not telling anybody else to do this. So don't say Shar said. You just go <laughs> stick with a doctor and stick to your thing. I started actually doing something that I have – I always pray like an emergency for myself, but usually I don't pray like that. But I actually prayed for myself head to toe with my hands going all up and down my body. This only happened like four days ago. I said, Shar, maybe it's time for you to pray for yourself and just mm-hmm. let all that other stuff rest because they call me four times a week all the time, this test, that test, and I finally just feel fried. I think sure. that's enough. I think it's enough. That's all. Yeah, and I started feeling and better. <laughs> Did you? Yes. Yep. I'm not surprised. There is so much fear that can be built up with the words that we hear, the news that we receive, and the news. I'll tell you, has been confusing, confounding, frustrating, everything. And it's. I mean, it's been scary the last year. And I mean, and that's not even including anything within your own personal life, you know, and, and I think a lot of us have, and I don't want to uh, put words in anybody's mouth, but for my experience, it was kind of the last spring was, okay, disbelief, frustration, what's going on. (laughs) And then you get into this, this new realm that I think a lot of people have experienced Mm -hmm. of this, the moral um, the moral stress, the moral exhaustion of how do I take care of myself? What's the next right thing to do? Like when you go out to a grocery store or walk down the street, do you look at people? Do you turn away? Like how, like how do you navigate that whole thing? And it was exhausting, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and now people are finally becoming more friendly through their masks. But I remember the first few months I would say hi to people and I was still, you know, six, 10 feet away and good morning. Mm-hmm. How are you? And they, 
this, I remember this one woman, she freaked out and just like, I could feel the shock in her system and she instantly turned away and walked. And I go, I'm not even near you. I know, that happened to me. That happened to me. I asked this lady, I said, hi, I was parked, parked. I have my uh, handicap sticker, right? And my car wasn't running right. I said, lady, can you please get my mail so I don't have to shut off my car? Because I don't think it's – she looked at me and skittered away. Oh, I can't. I just sanitized. I went, holy – what the – I was yeah. too shocked to even cuss. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, oh, it's like that age-old fear the leper is his back. Pretty much. No, it's, <laughs> you it's, know, it's really? so true. It's oh, like it's on one terrible. hand, you get it. I know. And on one hand, you get it. But at the other hand, it's, everyone's starved for human affection. My gosh, I mean, I, I don't take a hug for granted anymore. Um, oh, yeah. You know, or, or having a close friend to chat with for half an hour. Uh, it's, you know, it's so it, such a different world this mm-hmm. year and, you know, for the next few years. It's like, okay, so how do we navigate it? What yes. we do is, okay, and whatever I do, and I'll tell you, this year reinforced my teachings and my learnings and mm-hmm. my practice, which I could still honestly do more of. Um, you know, I don't get up at 6 a.m. and meditate for half an hour, and it's not all Shangri-La. It's, you know, a little bit more chaos yeah. uh, with two kids and beautiful husband and all that. But um, but really what I've noticed, like, as you have done, is you just kind of t- tune it out. It can still be there, mm-hmm. but not let it affect you and go, what do I really want to consciously bring into my world? Will it serve me? Will it protect me? Is it going to work within my paradigm, you know? Um, if you're a hypochondriac and you need the outside sources telling you absolutely everything and that works for you, fantastic. But what mm-hmm. I've noticed more and more as I've gotten older and me being an empath and the youngest of three is I mm-hmm. am much more of a reactionary person. I'm much more empathic. Um, if I'm in a group of people where they're not so much of a leader, I will become the leader. But I have learned I have to follow my rules of the first thing is find your feet. I mean, if I could help anybody out there who's listening is to when you are stressing out, all your energy is above your belly button, above your chest, and it's spiraling out of control. It's like take a breath. Go into your feet and just sink in a little bit and go, do I need to focus on something 100 feet out of me? Do I need to focus on New York right now? Maybe not. And bring Mm -hmm. that focus close because then you're starting to master your own spirals that are happening already in your body. The chakras, I mean, they're the seven main ones depending on your your teachings. I mean, some say, Mm -hmm. okay, they're 12 to 15. But regardless, it's your energy is here. Let's not be reactionary. But let's take a breath, and I, and I forget myself all the time. And I go, oh, that's right, that's right, okay. Take a breath, and then go, okay, mm-hmm. right here. This is all I need to focus on, just today, just this moment, and then we'll get to the next thing. 
If you need a day planner to you know, schedule you out if you get overwhelmed, great, use that. But find nature, find yourself, take care of yourself. And I think this has been a great opportunity this year is the distractions that you used to have are probably gone. You can't party all the time. You can't cruise around all the time. It's like, oh, well, now what, I'm, what am I going to do? Oh, okay, I have to think more. I have to be with myself more. I maybe want to drink more because I'm trying to stuff down my emotions. Oh, maybe that's not so good. I thought that was just socializing, but now I'm realizing maybe that's maybe out of balance. So this year, I think, on top of all this other stuff, it's uncovered an opportunity for us to just take a breath and go, let's deal with it because you know what? If I don't, it's going to be here tomorrow. And it's going to turn into physical chronic conditions if you don't have them already. You know, maybe it's just Mm -hmm. they can't breathe deeply. You know, I know some people who never had a deep breath in their life. And they go, deep breath? What the hell is that? (laughs) Breathing has never been more important. You know, breathing to all of us, just remember that I had a friend that, Unfortunately, passed yesterday. Her, her husband. She just texted, "I can't get my oxygen," and they took her in the hospital room. That was it. And then her husband died the day before. I mean, this is real stuff that's happening to us. You know, wow. um, I know it's it's a it's this year is a shocker so far. So what we can do <laughs> is what I'm learning is mind your patch. Maybe just a postage stamp size under your feet, but mind your own patch. Just mind it. Just remember, you got to cultivate that patch around you. You know, well what do you, what do you, what, what, that's what I'm saying. So if you break it down to that size, you know, it'll help. Because all that stuff that just happened yesterday could just throw me for a tizzy. I did cry. I feel too bad. But like she said, you know, soar onward, soar up. You know, let's all soar. You know, Absolutely. The, you know because things are going to happen, and that's just the way it is. And yes. Okay, so there's another thing that uh, your work helps people deal with is when people have a hard time changing, how does this mm. help them move and change the way they need to do? How this work helps is I think in the underlying framework that supports all of the work that I do is a really – It's a big, solid, fluffy pillow of support and honoring and accepting where you are. I think a lot of us feel we should be something else. We should be doing that. Um, We have so many self-judgments that um, are really from childhood or from even us absorbing judgments from other people. Oh, that person has a judgment about this, you know, oh, you have to say, for example, you have to use your fork only in your right hand and only for three seconds, etc. And then you go, well, they said it. And if I'm going to survive in my family and I don't want to get yelled at, well, then that's going to be the rule. And and so forth. Yeah. So we create these rules and survival, in, you know, they become kind of instincts, but we create all these rules to survive to the next moment. And when we get older, we end up realizing 
that, well, wow, my, my current situation is not working. But it's everything else. We see it as, I need to switch jobs. I need to switch relationships. That person is crazy or frustrating or whatever. And we look at the outside and we go, it's you. But what's kind of funny is when you start doing this work, you go, oh, well, maybe I stayed in that relationship because it reinforces what I already feel about myself. But then you get to that pain point such that you go, oh, well, that person is driving me nuts. So I'm going to break up with that person. And what's so I'll stick with this example for a moment is, Mm -hmm. well, then maybe the reason you chose a frustrating person is to break up with them. So then you could be alone and safe. Our system is always designed to choose the best possible choice that they know at the time so they can survive to the next moment and to feel safe and loved. That is what all of our choices boil down to. And when you survive something long ago and it worked and your body goes, yes, I'm going to file that again, or file that away and use it again for when I see something similar. But what's so crazy about our little brains is that we go, well, now I know that it works, so I'm going to search for it. But when you're constantly searching for something to constantly survive, what choices are you going to make? You're going to make choices that reinforce that survival patterning. And that's where we get stuck. That's why we don't change is because we're stuck in this endless hamster wheel cycle. And we go, but all we know is adults, we go, but it's them. They're the mess. And And they might be. They might totally have their own issues. But how is it that you keep seeming to make that choice of that sort of person? I'm sure sure you've met some people or have some friends. They just kind of keep falling into the same kinds of relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone does it. Well, yeah. Go, Everybody yeah. does what they need to. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you just go, but there's something, and it's, don't you ever have something that just tickles inside your brain? You go, but that just seems to, there's a reason for it. There is some reward that you're getting to keep making this choice because logically, if we're all completely present and fully adults and don't have triggers and don't have histories, we'd go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you choose to create pain for yourself and so forth and so on and then create this endless cycle and then thus be alone? But what if we turned that analysis on its head and we said, well, and this is what NLP does. We go, huh, so how are you creating this experience for yourself? And then we go back into the past and we uncover childhood experiences and belief systems of, you know, how, to, how they survived in that world. And, and then you'll go, wow, well, this person had such kind of a brutal childhood and everyone was yelling and everyone was tough and maybe they were the youngest person and maybe that, you know, that person is really sensitive. And they go, that sucks. I don't want anything to do with relationships because my parents are yelling all the time. They got a divorce. My siblings are beating on me. So forth and so on. The safest place for me is what? To be alone. Alone. Yeah. So gosh. But they're lonely. But, but they're but I'm lonely. lonely. 
Yes. I know. And but the greater payoff is to be alone so they're safe. So then what NLP yeah. does is gently goes and go, Well, is that the only option? Let's see if we can uncover and make your body and brain and heart and soul feel that much safer so that maybe not all relationships are horrible, but maybe that you know enough now to avoid those. But then maybe that maybe there would be one, maybe there's one nice person in the world, maybe not 7 billion or now it's 8 billion, but maybe is it possible there's one that could be maybe okay? such that you could maybe have a nice time, maybe even for 10 minutes. And some people go, no, I don't think so. And you go, huh, okay. Well, what about for one minute? Maybe they smile at you. Would that be okay? And they go, well, that's okay. And what we're doing is we're teasing apart and we're kind of starting to shift the possibilities in their brain of rather than the all or nothing scenario that they've built so beautifully to stay safe, we go, but that was then, and this is now, but maybe if it's okay, if someone smiles at you, would you be okay? And is that connection okay? And they go, and sometimes it might take them five minutes, but then they go, no, that's okay. I think I could do that for one minute. Okay, well, great. Awesome. Well done. What about five minutes? And we slowly just open the avenues and we slowly shift the neural pathways from the old patterns to the possibilities of a new one. Mm-hmm. And well, that's this is how so we true. shift. That's yeah. how we shift because you, okay. Yeah. So I have a really huge phobia about showing up to a certain coffee bar. And ah. some of my friends would be over there. So this is what I this is what I taught me. I did this to for myself like early gosh, I'm talking 35 years ago. So this is what I said. So you will stay, go, order a cup of coffee, and about the time you finish that cup of coffee, you still want to leave. You say yes, thank you. I really enjoyed my coffee, but it's time to go now. Or you can stay. How about that? And mm-hmm. so you can talk your way. You know this this would this would absolutely work. Mm-hmm. You know that's why I'm enjoying having you on the show because these are work methods that work. Because everybody knows how to just keep talking. You mm-hmm. know, but are you going to do something that works? Right. And get help. Yes, and some people have so many layers of trauma that um i mean i'm i'm constantly amazed at at some of the clients experiences that i've had mm-hmm. uh you know and i, I learn i just go mm-hmm. wow oh my goodness how did we get here okay but there's still this beautiful glimmer of hope and their heart is shining just beautifully and they go can you help me and i said yes because I have the, the layers of the NLP, which works with the, the childhood, the, the actual brain, how we're surviving. And then we work then with the layers of the family. What's going on there? And then, okay, yeah. let's now that we've done that for a while and you're kind of trusting me a little bit more, let's jump in a little bit over into this little esoteric side called HUNA, which is maybe what's attached to you. 
what's going on, what that's attaching to that's helping stabilize that experience. And we can get into that later if you don't want to jump into that deep end. But You can uh, go. I can go. Go as deep as but, you want because I was going to ask you something. I was going to actually talk to you about something that was that was really uh, something that I could see how this could have maybe helped if I hmm. could be with this client longer. But I my clients were all uh, prisoners or just going into prison or just getting out of prison or on probation. So, But I had one. I noticed he – he was kind of different from a lot of the guys, and I didn't understand the way he was communicating. Because I remember he gave me the side of his head a lot, you know, what I mean? <laughs> stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, so I, I'm a substance abuse counselor. So I said, okay, can you tell me about your family's uh, substance abuse history and about your father, stuff like that? And he immediately blurted, his dad took LSD every day. And I was thinking, now how's that going to communicate to a kid? You know what I mean? Like, wow. It never yep. occurred to me that a parent would actually parent under the influence of LSD. No wonder he showed me the side of his head. You know I what I'm know. saying? I'm curious as to what side of the head that he was uh, showing you. Okay, so if, I, so if I'm looking at him... Okay, if he's facing me, so he would turn his head. He's showing me the left side of his head. Got it. Okay. What does that mean? Well, would he tilt his head, or was it just a straight turning to the right? Well, it'd be it'd be turning to the right, and then a little nod, a little bit okay. of a nod. Yeah. All right. So what I would consider is that I'm going to try and describe this as cleanly as possible is when you look at someone's face imagine drawing a vertical line down through the middle of their face like down their nose and then a horizontal line through the ears and across so you're making you know an x or a t if you will right yes now what has been learned with nlp is that we store information right in our brains, but also there's a huge eye-brain connection, right? We get, what is it, 90% oh, of the information, right, through the eyes. And so we end up, um, we end up storing this information in our brain, but in, with con- the connection to our eye where it's looking, so if you if you say, for example, um, make a picture, often we will look up to the sky. And it doesn't mean that there is a picture on the ceiling, but that is kind of how the, the eyes work with trying to gather information from the brain. It's like its own train track. So when we're looking up, we're making pictures. When we're looking down, we're kind of accessing feelings. And if Mm. we sometimes tilt our head, it can be maybe that we're listening to something. So if we're tipping our head to the right, we're listening to something in the right, which tends to be that we we have either placed something in the future to look out for or an actual we're trying to look out for a potential threat 
in the future. But to, when we're looking to the right, so we're, that's kind of future sort of things. And then to the left is mm-hmm. the past. And this is, not, oh, this is not everybody, but really good, probably 95%. But if you're looking down and to the right, that's where you're accessing feelings. And when you're looking down and to the left, you're accessing internal dialogue. Like, what do I feel about that dress? I don't really know. Or, hey, what about that horrible conversation that I just got off the you know, phone and um, I'm considering what's going on, right? And so what you can do is you can watch a person, especially in your line of work, and this would be super helpful, is what exactly are they accessing? Are they hearing mm. something from the past? Like maybe a parent uh, who said some, you shouldn't do this or else sort of thing. So if he's so if this guy is giving you his left cheek, maybe he's accessing his feelings or maybe he has, you know what I mean, but there's like a structure to how our bodies are experiencing what's been placed in our brains. Yeah, that makes total sense. Really it makes total sense to me. Uh mm-hmm. I just wish I would have talked to you 15 years ago. <laughs> But I know it because this is very, this is very, very helpful. I mean, um, plus how you desensitize somebody from always reacting to these triggers, you know, this trauma trigger. How do you, how do you, how do you come in between that? This shot, this uh, knee jerk reaction. So if you're dealing with someone who is extremely phobic or has, like, that knee-jerk reaction, um, you know, to maybe a memory or of, you know, maybe uh, an experience that that they saw or they personally experienced or they heard, sometimes you go, all right, we're going to imagine, uh, because what's happening is their body is on full alert, right? There's you know, um, adrenaline rushing, there's all these things, and you're in this hyper state. And then what's also happening is the, the amygdala, the, the reptilian part of the brain, like the oldest part of the brain at the base of the skull, is concerned with fight or flight, right? We've got the five Fs, fight, flight, fornicate, have fun, you know, and so forth, and, or freeze. And so when someone is in like a phobic state or a triggered state, their brain is just going. The, the amygdala, the critter brain is just pumping certain chemicals and going, okay, I don't, you know, and, and they're doing whatever it is, fight, flight, or freeze. And so then you go, all right, well, how are we going to turn that down? All right, so imagine if you're in this experience and, they're, you know, you're talking about a memory or, or whatnot. All right, put some plexiglass in front of it. And, like, what you start to do is manipulate the experience because what we have in our brains is, in one way, extremely real, right? We have fears. We have Mm -hmm. these things come up instantaneously. We were pre-verbal, you know, until about, you know, two or three years old. It's the instant experience reaction, right? We're not talking at that time, right? So we're in that emotional experience. So how can we gently separate the experiencer from the threat? So let's play with that. I mean, I don't want to downplay it, but like let's play mm-hmm. with 
let's shift that experience so then the brain is not on overdrive. So let's maybe put some plexiglass. Maybe make the screen black and white. Make it fuzzy. Move that screen 500 feet away so it's so small that you barely even know it's there. Um, you know, you can do things to manipulate and separate the emotions in that experience for that person so then they can start to calm down. And then when that person can start to calm down, you'll see them, like, maybe take a breath and go, whew, you know, damn, that was, that was horrible. And they won't maybe consciously know what's going on, you know, that they are actually relaxing. But then the chemicals are shifting. They're breathing deeper. Maybe they arch their back. You know, maybe they're not, you know, like fisted, you know, tight fisted and so forth. So what we do is, okay, let's turn that down. Maybe let's imagine creating a dial that, you know, the intensity of this experience is at a 10. All right, let's dial it down to a 6. Let's dial it down to a 2. What does that feel? What are you experiencing? And so then what you're starting to do is go, oh, and just by doing those things to get that person out of that state, well, then you can go, wow, well, now we can actually shift without even saying this. But what you're doing is you're letting them know that that experience can be shifted, that you don't have to have that experience in just that way. And just by doing that right? That, wow, if I could shift it, well, maybe I don't have to have it all the time. Wow. Because whatever was threatening you at three years old, like for me, I had, you know, a not so fun experience when I was three and it was Mm -hmm. in my system and I was triggered all the time. I was great at staying out of relationships, all of that lovely stuff. And, but I was keeping myself safe. And so when I started to be able to manipulate this through, you know, taking NLP classes and so forth, I go, wow, I don't have to have that experience. That what my system is doing now when we are having memories, when we're having visions or dreams and our brain is trying to work out the dramas and traumas, that, you know, and we're in that hyper state, we're having a memory, but that memory is current. That is your current experience. Just because it happened 50 years ago doesn't mean it's not real for you now because you're currently having yes. that experience, right? I totally agree with that because, like, let's say, you know, getting raped as a child, child molesting everything else, and then uh, we had a big argument in group over this. It was not an argument, but everybody was having their say, well, that's just denial, and blah, 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 blah. I said, it's not denial when you get hit by a train, is it? <laughs> that's the language I And they looked at me and went, well, no. I said, okay, get hit by right. a train a few times and just see how you feel. And all of a sudden, they, they kind of simmered down a bit. I said, no, this is not what denial we're talking about. We're talking about trauma. And that trauma. hurts. And it's just a Band-Aid on it doesn't fix it. You know, you need no a healing way. from this. You need a healing, you know, and that will help us each understand each other. Okay, I, I get where you're coming from now. Now that you've been hit yeah. by a truck 42 times in your life, you know. Right. So, but the thing, yeah. But the, the, and it the thing is, Char- understand. Go ahead. They don't. They don't. And here's the thing is, to, to, for, to your point of, say a person was hit by a train mm-hmm. at three years old, whatever that train is, 
right? That's the symbol for for this conversation. Yes. That yes. Okay, but then when you close your eyes and you're imagining that train's going to come, it's your brain going, "What do I do? How do I get out of here?" What and it's like the brain is trying to solve the problem, and the emotions are there, and it's instantaneous. You are currently having the experience. Even yes. though the train physically isn't there, but your body is experiencing that. The chemicals are happening, the memory is happening, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm sure you've woken from a bad dream and you're totally sweaty and you're crying and this and that. And you go, oh, well, thank God it's a dream. You know, and then you can relax, but in the middle of it, that train is real. That dream is real. And that's the trauma that people are experiencing all the time we are constantly fighting all the old triggers all the old patterns and what sucks what i really dislike about what kind of the i don't know if it's the good old boys or the you know i don't know just Mm -hmm. toughen up yeah you know just move beyond it you just got to muscle through it. And, oh, man, I used to hate that. I would love to swear right now. But, I, I mean, seriously, you it could. was just. Yeah. It sucks. It <laughs> sucks it because, sucks. because <laughs> they'll put that on. The good old boys will make you try to make you a good old boy. That's what we're saying. So if that's what they were taught, that's what they will teach you. Yep. Do you like you it? Survive. No. That's it. And you don't like I it, know. Because, but that's, that, you know, we nobody likes the good old boys 24-7, you know, right. it, but they they put off on us. I think a lot of times this harm comes just to knock you down a pig and make you, you know what I mean, easier to manage or something. I, I, I think it's kind of sure. cruel, you know, especially what they're, what they're dishing out and what they're saying is so limited. I am sick of it. My son was just yelling at top of his lungs. He said, when are they all just going to die? I went, well, you know, it takes generations, like, obviously. You know what I mean? Uh, it does. It's it's, just, I know. And, and that's the thing is, here's, here, thank you for bringing that up because mm-hmm. I, I've had those feelings. Let the old generation just, like, come on, like, just go. But if you imagine, I do want to give them a break, though, too, because look at yeah. where they came from. And so for yes. this one, you had generations and generations of they didn't know psychology. They didn't know feelings. It was just do or die because literally you did or died. And, exactly. you know, we don't have – they did not have modern technology. Um, they did not have all these things. They did not have hospitals in the ways they do now. Well, just was, imagine. I mean, right. Imagine so that it, people had to go you know, down to the fire station to get a phone call. You know what I mean? They, they weren't answering in their own house. You know, right. it's 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 so remarkably different. You know, that's it why is. you got to give them credit because there's some people that are still alive today, or I've known that have died just recently. We're 106 years old, tough as nails. How do they do it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know I won't be living for to be 106, but they went through all of that and they still want to live. Yep. They still want to be part of this planet for as long as they can that's how you get to be 106 you want to be here you don't you give do. up a world war one world war two the civil wars the race rides you don't give up ever you still want that hot soup you want to eat your cereal in the morning you still want to live for one more day 
you know, yeah. to hug your kids. I love their attitude. Now, that's what we can get. But those, I'm talking about the good old girls right now. Yeah. Because I don't know men that have lived that long. I don't know any of them. But all the women I've known that lived to, uh, you know, an uh, extraordinary amount of time. And they're in my immediate circle of the mothers of some of my friends have lived a very long time. 106, 196. Like, how do you guys do it? Wow. They're ha- they they pray, they they stay spiritual, they forgive and they forget and they're inclusive I noticed. They yep. always have room at the table for another mouth. No matter how much they have, they want to share it. That's another thing they do. And I, just, I love them for that. I I I love that. It's just I just step into that experience of that expansive, loving, giving, yes. n- not harboring resentments and being able to let go. And sometimes, you know, you might want to yell at somebody, just go, let it go. Like, is it really going to do anything? And that's just, I'll tell you, it just comes with time and experience. I am 44 and I still feel like a neophyte. Um, I'm still You're learning young. so much. <laughs> I I am I am fairly young, but I will tell you the more you can just assess. Like I look at my two girls, and I love them, but they drive me crazy. And it's how really old are they? I, the thing is, they are three and six. Oh, how and cute! They little are brats, pistols. But they're they are <laughs> they're little they brats. But just think of them. I know they're it. delicious at that age. I mean. I can remember my my kids are old. My daughter's fifty one. My son's forty five. I can remember him and his little dimple and his little teeth coming in. And he's six foot four, but I can still enjoy it, Mama. Yes, and and I and I do. And when I when I'm in those moments of I don't, and I am mm. frustrated and I am triggered. Oh boy, and I'm I'm still working on that. But they're the youngest is three and a half now, and it's getting a lot easier, Sweet. you know, and, uh, and, but it's just, it's not them. That's the problem. It's me. It's what are my triggers mm-hmm. that, you know, not wanting to spend the time. You're not, I mean, kids are emotional. Oh my goodness. Very you much cry so. And this, and you just want it to stop and you just go, Oh, so you're gruff, you're tough. And you go, Hey, just, and I, and I'll tell you, I've turned into that, you know, quote, good old boy, just like, just toughen <laughs> up, just suck it up here. And, you know, and then I calm down and then I explain things to him and, and then it's like, and then it's all great, but it's the, yeah. as you, to your point is, as you get older, life gets easier when you don't cling and that you can just ride out the experience. Cause you know what? The experience is going to change. Mm. Life is going to change. 2020 yeah, but say is that, gone. But say that. Say that again for the Klingons listening. Say that one more time. <laughs> Life is going to change. It is going to shift. It can be better. But you also have to cultivate your mind and your heart and soul. Find your patch, right, as you're saying, and mm-hmm. and cultivate that and grow that. And the thing is, when you do that, you're happier. You're brighter. You find those you know, self-care moments, if you will, that just moment of peace of, I don't know, having a cup of coffee. These are some of my things. Having a cup of coffee in the mm-hmm. morning, watching the sunrise, that's my number one bliss, you know. And if I do that and I've got 10 minutes and I just don't do anything and I'm in that moment, 
then my body is better. Your cells are better. All the connections are better, right? The chemicals are happening. Yes. Serotonin and all that, beautiful, and you're blissed out. Then you can give to your kids or you can give to your spouse or you can give to your work. If you don't set yourself up in the morning and you're at the whim of the rest of the world, they're going to eat you for lunch. <laughs> yeah, so you got to remember who you Okay, you can get ready to walk up to the door, but remember who you are before you knock on that door. Very true. And you have to go in. Just remember who you are. Ground yourself before you walk in there and talk to anybody. Well stated. I completely agree. Well, it's true. It all depends on your manner because working with those thugs helped me a lot. I'm telling you. Imagine how many men came across my desk in 15 years. Imagine that. Every crook in Southern California, from all over the world, actually. So I had to talk to every crook. (sighs) Anyway, it taught me a lot about men, first of all, men, because I bluntly would ask them questions. You know what I mean? Because now... You know, I would just say, what, how, do, how do you feel about this? And they would tell, they wanted to tell me some, some kind of truth about themselves. Why do men do this? Why do they do And I learned a lot. I learned how to face fear. I learned how one guy presented, his presentation was a flat square wall. That was his presentation. Nothing. So... That was first week, nothing. Second week, nothing. So I said, well, finally I said, uh, excuse me, because this guy was huge. He was bigger than a refrigerator. I'm seriously, you can imagine this person right now. It's true, he does exist. Nobody in prison would mess with him. Nobody on the street would mess with him. So when he saw me, ah, mere pittance, some redheaded lady, right? So he didn't want to suffer me anything. So by the second week, I said, excuse me, sir. He went, kind of grunted at me. Yeah. And I said, you know, you're Matt, we're in the office. And I said where we were, you know, we're in Inglewood. We're in an office. You're not in prison. We're here. You're sitting with an older woman, and we're sitting trying to talk at a desk. I find you're acting a bit odd. He went, what? And I said, yes, I, I find your mannerism strange. He said, that's strange. I went, well, why? He said, my niece just said that to me. She wouldn't want to see me in a dark alley. I went, oh, my God. So he does it. I said, you do this at home too? (laughs) What? (laughs) I learned something just by approaching my fear. Like, what is he going to kill me? What's he going to do? You know, because if you're you're presented with a wall, I decided to work with that wall. Like, it's so odd that you just can't be polite when you're at an office, you know? Wow. And, And really, it worked. It took him aback, and it's the first thing he said in a couple of weeks. He didn't. Nobody dare talk to him in group even because everybody was scared of him. You know, really. He had. I don't know how tall he was. He could have been seven feet by seven feet wide, really. You know. Anyway. Right. It taught. It taught me a lot. It wow. taught me deal with what you're presented with and think on your feet. But I. I probably learned that in my childhood. Somewhere. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I I know I did. 
I have a peculiar knack with this whole criminal element because I you know, was raised around it, really. You know, hmm. so anyway, yeah, because I was one of those kids, you know, bra- you know, they, they put you in the, in the projects. I didn't know what I was doing there. I was from Boston. What am I doing at Pacoima, California in the projects? I was wow. saying my parents, finally I got to the point by the time I was 10, I think my par- it's my parents' problem. So I tried to get out of there ever since then. Right. I I learn. I learn. You learn. So Mm -hmm. do you have, uh, okay, now we're in a, I thought this year we could just kind of rest a little bit, but oh no. (laughs) I was hoping for that too. (laughs) Yeah, I really did. I think the first, January 1st, it was okay. January 2nd, it seemed to be okay. Ever since then, forget it. They're mm-hmm. storming. They're people with horns on are <laughs> are in our government office. Now, what's the symbology? Tell me what's going on here. Oh, goodness. Well, I don't know. I actually heard and have been reading that that guy with the horns is a paid actor. I don't know if he, he was paid is. for that gig or not. But, he uh, is. Yeah, he's been around to all the uh, the major protests doing his thing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what this year is going to bring, but I I got to say, I think last year we stripped away a lot of the crap, if you will, okay. and now we're dealing with the, you know, what are you made of? Let's let go of all that stuff, because is it serving you? Like, is it oh, really yeah. getting you to what you want? And if it is and you want to be lonely or you want to be frustrated or stuck in a job that you dislike or that finances are just, you know, a mess right now, it is for so many people, and I, my heart goes out to them. But, like, whatever your experience is that the world keeps telling you, hey, you might want to look at that, um, why not do it now? Because it's going to be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, for example, I wanted to give you a story about Family Soul Constellations. Is And I want to describe that a little bit more. Is Now, Family Soul Constellations is basically the, the facilitator uh, will chat with a client and go, all right, you know, what's – What's the big bugaboo that you really want to look into? What's going on in your life that you just want shifted? You know, maybe it's you're always stressed out or you're always um, avoiding relationships or I just can't seem to trust my spouse despite them being perfectly loving and perfectly amazing. I just can't trust that person, right? And so we'll set up the framework on what are the possible entanglements of the past that you're kind of grabbing onto, like what's the history? And then what we do is, or the uh, facilitator will go, all right, I've kind of got a sneaky suspicion. We'll start off with kind of the major people and maybe the parents and so forth. And what we do is we write on cards, you know, then um, the role of a, of a person in their family, like father or mother or cousin and so forth. And it's always related to the client. And and so then what we do is we fold them up and we toss them about in our hands. And then if there are a lot of people to help with the constellation, there will be certain people who will kind of sign up for a role, but they don't know what the role is. 
And the facilitator doesn't know what the role is because it's all jumbled up. So what we call it is a double blind. So the information that comes through is extremely clean and so forth. Now, how is this possible, before I get through to this next part, is it's outside of space and time. We set up a room with chairs around, you know, in a circle or a large enough room where people can walk around. And what you do is you then give um, these cards one card to each person who will be a representative for whatever that role is. And they will end up kind of wanting to go to a particular spot on the room. And they don't know why, but there's just kind of this instinct of they want to go to a certain place. Or maybe they want to lie down. Or maybe they're starting to get agitated. Um, So forth and so on. So what we've learned through... All of this um, patterning is we just kind of we've learned that is there's consistent patterns that mean certain things. So, for example, if someone is lying on the floor, that means probably someone has passed away or is lying on the floor in honor of someone who has passed away, saying pointing to there is some something to uncover here. There's energy here that's stuck. Look at this. Right. So in this room kind of that we've developed outside of space and time, which is supported by angels, guides that we bring in if needed or asked, you know, whoever, maybe it's ancestors. Hey, can you come in and help point, you know, point some things out, help us out. And so these patterns emerge and then we go, okay, so now we see what the stuck system is. Now we're going to offer a resolution to this area and so whatever the stuck system is maybe someone's wanting not wanting to acknowledge um or be like there's i remember one there is um the two parents were kind of out to lunch they did not want to be parents they just wanted to party and the child had to grow up and kind of be the parent but that was kind of inappropriate don't you think Mm -hmm. so Right, So we go, all right, well, the parents are not wanting to acknowledge and be grown-ups. And so they say, well, I don't want to be a grown-up. And then the facilitators say, well, I want you to say instead or try this on, well, it is my job to be an adult. I am the parent to that child over there. And when they start to acknowledge the reality of the situation, like you did with that man, of I'm acknowledging Mm, what I notice. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what happens when we just acknowledge. And then what happens is when we start yes, to acknowledge just, things. Yes, if you just see them. If you see them. Yes. Yes. Okay, go ahead. It is. And Scott, acknowledging, I will say, is probably 80, 90% of the battle of, of everything. Is like, let's just sit here and notice and acknowledge and not have judgment about it and just see what we see. And say what it is. And just that will just take the wind out of a lot of it, I think. It's yes, beautiful. It's so, very helpful. It is beautiful. So so what happens then is then acknowledging kind of happens. And then people start to shift. And we go, oh, okay. And so then things start to happen. And then there ends up being kind of these patterns and and 
guidelines of what's the most appropriate location for everybody and so forth and so on. And what we're trying to get to ultimately is where the client or the representative of the client is looking at what we have a representative for life and all it has to offer. Because if we can acknowledge and look at life and all it has to offer with happiness and joy, then we're going to finally be able to make those choices within ourselves to then enjoy life. But so much of our life is making ourselves smaller, making ourselves alone, making ourselves miserable for a whole host of reasons that are just not appropriate. Like, why are we here in, in, in this world? This world is absolutely amazing. We have the oceans. We have experiences. We have travel. We have amazing food, like all these things. Yet we keep ourselves so miserable in honor of things that happened long ago. And if you ever you know, wow. step into the ancestors, the ancestors go, I don't want you to live your life like that. I didn't know I was doing all this stuff. I didn't know I was angry and avoiding and and dealing with my own past stuff. I don't want you to do that. Man, that's not why I had you. It might have been an accident, you know, of of having you and so forth. But now that I'm here and now I'm a full functioning adult and now I've, you know, passed away and, you know, a ghost, if you will. But the energy of the ancestors is like, I want you to live. I want you to enjoy and embrace life. That is why we're here. We're here to learn and grow, but we're here to love. Not sit down and die as early as possible in honor of something that happened generations ago. Wow, that's that's the truth. So when we offer a resolution in the Family Soul Constellation platform, it does this very, very amazing thing, and it blows my mind every single time. Um, but it creates a ripple effect in real time. And so if you, someone does a constellation for their family or for themselves, but other family members, representatives are included, that maybe certain, and this has happened, certain physical pains of the parents You know, maybe someone had a bum leg, this actually happened, that the mom calls a few days later and goes, you know, it's the craziest thing. My neck doesn't hurt anymore. And, you know, and it was a chronic pain that the mother had since she was a child. And she goes, my neck doesn't hurt anymore. I have no idea why. Mm. And what was represented in the constellation was that the mother's father was a very overbearing, very powerful man. And in the constellation, it showed that he was stepping on her neck. I just saw it, stepping on her neck. That's just what I was going to say. It's just, you know, this work is profound. I had no Mm -hmm. idea. I had no idea. This is... I know that, you know, so far for the listeners that they're getting a lot out of this because uh, we need to hear an encouraging word of how we can break these footholds of generations and create this positive, strong, you know, place to stand on our own. Yes. And, and, you know, you look at societies and how they change so slowly, 
right? It's because mm-hmm. all the judgments and all these energies, it's not just what we're taught in school, but it's all this energy coming down that we're grabbing onto that it is so hard to break free from. But what if in a session or two or three, you can completely let go of all that has been stopping you and you can release, you know, the the past and you can go, oh my God, what have I been carrying? Why have I been carrying it for so long? Well, we don't know it's there. We're not taught this until we are in the hospital and we're practically dying and we have all these chronic conditions and then we see the light and then you see an ancestor and they go, what are you doing? Go live life. And then that per- that one person has changed. Like you were changed. Your mother came and it's like, that was so amazing with that white light. What a gift she gave me. Amazing. Uh, she gave me a big gift there. Wow. It, uh, it's just like wonderful. Not everybody gets it. <laughs> you you know how long it would have taken me to find that? If I was trying to understand her, she didn't come just in that way. She knew I would get it because she, yep. and I'm, I'm smart. However, I, I feel blessed that she let me know. This is why, yeah. Char. Right. I mean, that's a gift. Uh, I could have gone another whole 50 years grinding on that one. Mm-hmm. Which we do. <laughs> The shame, as we know, is a, is a corrosive thread is fear. Shame, fear, like that could just, you know, destroy everything. So right. now what can we do at home? I need first, and we need to get to how can people get a one-on-one with you? So, uh, well, to start off, you can go to my website, which is livingyourawesome.com. And um, you guys can sign up for my newsletter, which happens every month, and you guys can get those. I have two guides for you, uh, which is one is the emotional icebergs, which is kind of what we are talking about this evening, what they are and where they are in our bodies. And, uh, and then I also have another guide, Seven Rules for Becoming Ridiculously Awesome. And so if you sign up, you can um, get those delivered instantly uh, to your email. Um, but if you guys want sessions, you can go to my website and sign up. I also have my book, which I didn't even mention. It's uh, Becoming Ridiculously Awesome, Who Doesn't Want That? And so that's on Amazon and Kindle, and you can even get an autographed copy on my website as well. Awesome. And then yeah. we have the the sign-up for the 30-Day Happiness Challenge. Yes. So what you know what I've done is I've repackaged that where I have included it in a bundle um, where it is it combines the Huna um, I have some Huna videos and I have a Huna ghost story so I have seven ghost stories compiled from my own personal experiences do, uh, clearing houses and people places and things. And uh, and then so I have lumped the 30-day happiness challenge in there because I think it really rounds it out beautifully so we can, you know, really hit the ground running and, um, you know, make 2021 a whole lot better than last year. Oh, yeah, we have to. We have to because uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I loved what my son did. And he said something to me recently. He said, uh, you know, uh, they lost a lot of work because uh, 
people aren't sitting in the restaurants anymore and they're not doing all that anyway. So he said this, he said, you know, so I'm going to use a different zip code and go to where they do need to be the food to be brought to. And I said, hmm. man, that's a genius. <laughs> I'm just glad the next generation is smarter than me. Cause I wouldn't have thought of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's not, the, this kid is a world traveler. You know, my heart just goes with him, and he actually literally goes all over this planet. And he has so many friends around the world, and he learns the language wherever he's going. He learns enough of whatever the language, even Mandarin. He learns enough to to be able to negotiate. He's truly uh, uh, one in a million persons. I tend to be totally like the opposite, shy, cranky. My foot hurts. You know what I mean? All that. I can't. I have to put my feet up. I'm dying here. Nothing. He he will he will travel, and he's tall, so they put him in the bulkhead sometimes. But and that makes it fun for the the uh, the wait the the steward people on air flight attendants uh, right. because he's a a master you know communicator really. Um, to have even created him, I know that it was God. Because when I saw him when he was first born, I went, I don't know how to do this. I can't do it. <laughs> I, when I saw my daughter, my daughter came first. I had a completely different reaction. I can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a snap, yeah. which it isn't. Girls are not a snap. I feel sorry for you on one hand. I know they're cute as a bug on one hand, but, oh, the girl worked me. Really. <laughs> So my son was a breeze, never, not, not the same kind of trouble at all. Because girls, you worry. You Are worry. you going to be okay? Can you take care of yourself? Is anybody going to touch you? Are people looking cross-eyed at you at school? You know. So true. Yes. Isn't the it true? is crazy. It's terrible. Yeah. I didn't want anybody touching my daughter. It was horrible. When she went mm-hmm. to school, I cried. I knew the world was going to destroy that kid. You know what I mean? And what happens is the world has worked over the girls, pretty much over the coals, coming up until recent history. You know what mm. I mean? And yep. girls need to just be themselves and, and not have to tow the hole for anybody. I don't know what the next little generations are coming up, but they need to be strong. You know, really. Yes. And well, not and, do and this, thing, this thing, the good old boys. Got to back off. You got to let a girl have a chance. Dang. Yes. I know. You know, it's interesting. My friends and I did a uh, constellation last night, kind of about that whole nepotism Mm. thing, and it ended up getting into very, very high layers of just energies outside the planet. And it kind of Mm -hmm. blew my mind, but I'm like, ah, why should I be surprised anymore? Um, but Mm -hmm. it was really interesting that how old that energy was, that nepotism, that all of that. And so we hope to kind of let, you know, Mm -hmm. those tendrils just go because it was just, it was this really interesting (sighs) conundrum that was happening. And then we, when we started to, kind of um we stepped basically into oneness and offered all these things mm. oh my gosh it was so beautiful and then and wow. then the whole nepotism like it just didn't need to be there it's like oh my gosh we've been doing that for so long because of what and it was this need to be special above the rest because of this boredom yes of of um eternity 
And it's like, and so then they wouldn't, so, but then they were outside of creation. Like if you imagine when you wake up in mm. the morning and you are just, there is nothing wrong with the world. Everything is just present. You're here in the moment and you're creating and you're like, well, why wouldn't I want to create? And there's this co-creation that's happening that you're part of. The, you know, the carpet, the walls, the coffee, everything else, everything is co-creating. And it's this beautiful experience. And But what was happening was this sep- when one is separated, then you end up feeling a sense of lack. And, well, then if I have a lack of, well, then I have to be better then so then I can feel better about myself. But when yeah. you step outside of all of that lack, then then you step into love. Then you step into oneness. Then you step into I don't. There is no lack because the more I feel awesome about myself, the more I'm going to give, and the more you feel awesome, the more you're going to give, and then the world's going to be a better place. But so it's been destroying. You know, the world's been kind of in some ways destroying itself um, through this these old energies hopefully it's shifting it's the age of aquarius very soon and it's like okay that's when the renaissance came was there's a whole lot of tumultuous energy (laughs) is in the second half that's it and jupiter aligns with mars then truth or something yes oh boy you know it better than i do but yes that is what's happening is there's tumultuous and what is it, Mars and Aries and all these guys, you just go, oh, my goodness. But then what happens after is, well, then you have, you know, if I don't think necessarily the planets tell you what's, like, they're not dictating, but they just happen to be in these certain locations, and thus, coincidentally, all these other things coincide with those planets being there. If they actually create it, you know, the energies, I'm not sure, but it has been seen and experienced that at this time many moons ago you had the plague mm-hmm. and everything else and then you yes. had the renaissance we're going to burst oh, forth yeah. but we have to do our work if we don't clear out our own crap we're not going to get to the other side and we have to so, do that for know, ourselves give that gift to yourself it's, it's, Come on. it's awesome so what is your homework assignment for us tonight that something that My somebody goodness. can just do right now, just to kind of straighten do right this out, now. or maybe in the morning, just do something. You know, first of all, I want everyone to just stop and stop judging yourself. And if you are judging yourself, say, where did it come from? Who told me I should judge myself this way? And see if it needs to happen anymore. Um, the other thing is pat yourself on the back and acknowledge that you got to where you are. It might not be ideal. But if you have kind of 10 figures and 10 toes and you've got a roof over your head and you're listening to this program, you're probably, for the most part, doing okay. And so Mm -hmm. acknowledge that all those decisions since you were a child and even before you were a child and came into into this universe, that all those decisions you made were yours and that you did the best you could to get to here and now. That without all those decisions in the past, you wouldn't be here. The future can look different than it, you know, than you're experiencing now, which is great. But don't cut yourself short. 
And that's the homework is I want you guys to just acknowledge and give yourself like a pat on the back. And if you're okay with even giving self-care and self-love of like, damn it, I'm okay. And it might not be perfect. I might not have, you know, the perfect communication skills or the, you know, whatever. I might be late to every single meeting by 10 minutes. But, okay, I'm, I'm going to work on it. But here I am now. I'm doing my stuff. And, and just open yourself to the new opportunities. Because if you start to look for them, the universe will show them to you. You go, oh, you want to play right. now? Let's play. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Let's play. Get out of your own way. But you have to acknowledge where you are and start to love yourself because you are lovable. You deserve absolutely everything. And I'll tell you, I felt like I was unlovable and I didn't deserve a lot of things when I was younger. I put a lot of pressure on myself. I still do. But I've worked through so many of those things and I go, why wouldn't we love ourselves? God created us or whatever the great being is or co-creation, however you want to describe it, we're here now. So what are mm-hmm. we going to do with it? And, and let's, what let's are we going to do it. with it? Yeah, let's make right. it really. And then, you know, just we're going to have some more downtime. And uh, now's the time to do this inner work. You know, there's enough uh, time. You know, you're not stuck. You're not stuck. This is an opportunity to listen. You know, get the get. Now, where can you get your stuff on your website again? Can you please tell everybody? Yes, livingyourawesome.com. And I've got the guides, and I've got a whole host of things there for you to peruse. And, um, you know, in my sessions, I can do them via Zoom or Skype or on the phone. So you can be anywhere in the world. It's totally easy. And I also, I can even clear um, properties and people from across the globe in my own home. So there's really no limit to, you know, having a session, you know, or, and, and what I do too is I do free 20 minute consultations. So you can sign Mm -hmm. up on my website in the shop and um, let's have a chat. Let's see how I can help um, you break through whatever you're going through. Wow. Thank you so much, Meredith. So we've been speaking with Meredith. Yeah. We've been speaking with Meredith Heronbrook. I I have like a little study in my brain once in a while. And uh, she has a new book, Becoming Ridiculously Awesome. And who doesn't want that? That's available on Amazon. And then you can sign up on her websites, too. Is it Becoming Ridiculously Awesome? That's the the name of the website? That's the name of the book. And the the name of the website is livingyourawesome.com. That's cool, (laughs) livingyourawesome.com. So thank you so much, Meredith. It's been a joy to have you on tonight. I feel uh, very good about what you said and that you've helped a lot of people here tonight. And you've helped me. I feel better. Good. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was such a great time to chat with you. It was really fun. It's a pleasure. It's really a lot of fun. And uh, it's good having somebody out there that's really doing work to lower the pain of the world, you know, because that's what it's all about, just trying to get people to lower your pain and up your happiness. Absolutely. Okay, thank you, Madame. Love you. Take care. God bless you you and yours. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and uh, sending love and light to everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much. Take care of yourself now. You too. Bye bye.
Bye-bye. Okay, so, wow. Quite a lady. I'm very impressed by her, uh, Meredith Heronbrook. And you've got to get her book, Becoming Ridiculously Awesome, because she is ridiculously awesome. I mean, really. I got. I feel good about um, that. There's possibility for all of us, just from where we are, that we can, uh, you know, take care of ourselves and become the best selves we can be. And especially with, you know, this. It, it seems like, you know, we're going to have. A, I hope it's not going to happen, but it seems like this. This work. Maybe we'll have a better year ahead. I'm not so sure about that. So we have to make a better day ahead, which means we have to work on ourselves. So go get her book and Meredith Heronbrook and Being Ridiculously Awesome. You can find it on Amazon. That's where I found it. So anyway, so what we're going to do is I'm going to, since I'm really interested in a friend of mine's book. Now, uh, we interviewed him and uh, he turns out to be a great guy. I loved uh, talking to him. And uh, here's his little uh, blurb uh, from Jason Hewitt about his book, okay? I want you to listen to it. From Paranormal Investigators, Peter Wren and Jason Hewlett, get your copy of the new book, I Want to Believe, One Man's Journey into the Paranormal Today, from Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, and Barnes & Noble. With a foreword by Arrow and the Head founder and actor-writer-director John Fallon comes this collection of the most frightening cases Peter has encountered during his 27 years as an investigator. Peter has traveled all over the world to investigate every kind of alleged haunting imaginable. He and his fellow investigators have hunted for spirits in historic castles and prisons, family homes, hotels, and even maritime museums. The stories in I Want to Believe, One Man's Journey into the Paranormal, include psychic encounters at a community theater, confrontations with shadow beings, and other negative spirits, and even a case of possible demonic possession. Now available from Beyond the Fray Publishing, I Want to Believe, One Man's Journey into the Paranormal, by Jason Hewlett and Peter Wren. You can find it today at Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, and Barnes & Noble. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate you. So uh, I'm going to play a song since I was talking about my son. He tried to call during the show, but his ears must have been burning. So I'm going to play this song from my son. It's a very touching song. And uh, this is for all of us to remember with love, you know, our parents, if we still have them, we're fortunate. If we don't have them anymore, let's treat them all with love and respect. And however, ground yourself in the love and respect for yourself. I think that's the message today. So here's a little love from my son. His early morning attitude You have to drag him out of bed And only frosted flakes will do he gets that from me He gets that from me His curly hair and his knobby knees The way the sun brings those freckles out he talks and talks and never miss a beat 
you get that from me? He gets that from me.
I am really, I'm charting in Romania, and I'm very happy about you guys. So thank you for listening all over the world. Remember, I love you very much. Let's just keep each other with the best positive uh, thinking in our brains that we're going to all do this together and get do it better. Okay? Love you all. God bless you. Bye-bye.